This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk. Hello and welcome to The Advice Show, from industry scoops to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Neve, a multimedia producer at CityWire and this week we're at the NMA retreat here in The Grove in Hertfordshire. It's been a lovely day so far, we've had some great speakers including international chess grandmaster Judith Polgar who spoke to us about the importance of strategy and critical thinking as well as the key to having a strong mindset and not limiting yourself especially as a woman. So thank you for joining us today, Judith, and speaking to us. So you began your speech talking about how after the release of the popular Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit, many people reached out to you for your amazing achievements. You then went on to speak about a metaphor that you took away from your chess success, which is porn, which you broke into the acronym, standing for perseverance, attitude, work, and no pain. How essential do you think this is in the finance industry? Well, I think chess generally reflects very well uh, life in some ways and, of course, business as well because uh, chess, you have to make your strategies, your preparation in the opening phase. But actually not only in the opening phase, but much before when you go to play, obviously you have to make your preparation, how you're going to present yourself, how, what are your ideas. But, of course, like in chess also, you have limited opportunity to make your preparation, right? But after that, you go into the middle game, like in chess, in a discussion also. So where you're really tested, how well are you prepared in your field? Because you will get questions and uh, ideas which you have not been there before, so you have to react in some way. And when you have a long discussion, or long uh, business days, you have to have the perseverance to go all the way, even though you make a great presentation as an opening, you make a great discussion as a middle game, but still, until you don't have the handshake and the contract signed, like in the end game, no matter how much you're winning, it can always go wrong. So this is one way of looking at it, that how a chess game is uh, in metaphor to business. That's very true. And you became successful very quickly, where at seven you were beating your father at chess, sometimes you were back against the chessboard. You won a thousand pound prize in a tournament at the age of nine, and you became chess grandmaster at the age of 15. You then went on to speak about mindset and the importance of not letting, um, or limiting yourself rather, especially as a woman. How should women benefit from this mindset in a predominantly male-dominated industry such as finance? I think it's very important, maybe the most important to, apart from being good what you're doing, to have self-confidence, to have friends, family and colleagues who support your ideas and your uh, your, uh, visions. After that, if you focus on your work and you want to excel because you're simply good, I think it should be working pretty well. So you also spoke about strategy and how crucial self-confidence and critical thinking is essential in order to know your opponent's next move. 
So how can financial advisors and investors take this advice into their investments? I think critical thinking is is something, maybe one of the most important things what I learned in my chess career. Because in chess, it's uh, when you play against your opponent, immediately after the game, you know exactly where did you go wrong. Even if you won the game, you know that there were some points where you did not play the best possible move. But of course, if you won, you won. So you learn more, they say, from your losses, from your bad businesses, your bad decisions, right? But it is really so important that in so obvious in chess, I think in business, maybe not all the time you see the immediate problems, but in chess, in sport, it's very easy. You just lose the game, right? So it shows where I did good decisions, bad decisions. And I always go home when I was still an active player. After the game, I go home. I, uh, I am very critical, of course. How did I do? Why did I come to that conclusion? So I think in, in business also, it has to be always that you have to be alert. You have to be always very self-critical about yourself. You have to analyze a lot. So analytical vision is very important in order that you can be prepared as much as possible. Decision-making shouldn't be a pain from the point of view that you shouldn't be afraid of making decisions because our whole life is making decisions, where we live, what to eat, which restaurant to go, who to marry, whatever, right? So I think you have to understand that there are certain things it's just part of business or whatever you do you have to be prepared you have to make your strategy you have to make decisions you have to realize and understand the consequences of it you shouldn't be arrogant and uh, and underestimate your opponent whether in business or on the chessboard and if they see that you had good intentions even if things are turning out bad you can still fix it better Yes, exactly. And another question our listeners would be dying to know is how do you avoid making a mistake when your opponent counters your plan? And equally, how do you avoid impulsive decisions? Well, in chess, we always say that there is uh, some part which you're prepared and you know what you're doing. And for example, when you have little time, it's about intuition. And uh, of course, sometimes you get impulsive, especially when uh, youngsters are, are having an opportunity and they play fast and they make decisions very fast, right? So I think with time you learn uh, how to control yourself and uh, with mistakes, you have to understand that uh, if you know that it's better to be patient and control yourself. And I think with time people learn it, maybe in the hard way, but you learn it. Um, but of course, it's, uh, it's important to prepare for that. So to, you, to understand yourself better, because in chess, it's also important to understand what kind of player you are, what kind of situations you feel comfortable in, what kind of situations you feel uncomfortable. It's not, not your kind of game. And it goes also to, to businesses, I think, that if you know yourself, how you feel comfortable, which is your strong side, weaker side, how to compensate some things, then, uh, then you can manage yourself not to be uh, impulsive and not to make decisions irresponsible. And equally, is it important to kind of, when you were playing your tournaments, was it just as important to get to know your players? Because then it's kind of knowing, I suppose, their weaknesses in a way and kind of their strategy. Or would you sometimes just 
meet them on the day obviously you knew kind of especially they'd be champions themselves and then you know before you beat them um and you'd know about them but would you kind of know them and would you know their weaknesses and maybe how to to beat them I had different periods and I think it also goes absolutely uh, to any other thing like in business also like when I started they didn't know me I didn't know my opponents so you have to show that you're really good right in every game so what kind of preparation I could do in those times, let's say when I was eight, nine years old, I had no idea about my opponent, which means that I had to understand myself very well. I had to be planning my opening strategies the way I know I feel comfortable with. It goes and suits my style. So I can present myself with self-confidence. I know what I'm doing, preparing every phase of the game very well. And also how you behave after that, right? If you win, you're just acknowledging it. Okay, you won, you're modest, you go for your next game. Or you start to be very arrogant and, okay, I won so many games. So if you lose, you go back and you, you start to, to reconsider everything. But so in the, when I was a kid, it was clear that I went to the tournament. I had to know what is my repertoire, what I know, what I want to have. And that to understand it very well, like you go to an exam, you have to know kind of whatever you, you need to know, and then you see how it goes. Later on, when I'm entering, uh, enter to top 30 already in the world, that was clear that it, at that stage, even before when I was already top 100, those times already it was clear that I could prepare against opponent, which means that of course, you analyze, you look at their games, you know what exact opening they play, what exactly their style is, uh, which is the weak point, whether let's say I know that he doesn't like end games, then I try to exchange pieces in order that I go only with, with smaller number of pieces on the board. Or I know that he's not playing this or that opening, I try to pull him in. So I try to uh, drive the game into the direction he doesn't feel comfortable. And uh, But then already it's very clearly I can prepare against the person. I can know what he played in his previous years, how he's changing his character, his way of playing, his preparation, his understanding about the game. So it was very different. In the beginning, when you don't know your opponent, you have to be extremely well prepared about yourself, 100%. And whatever you play, whatever business proposal you do, you have to be very self-confident and very much know it from A to Z, every point of your offer. While when you make business with someone who, who you know, then it's already a specific preparation that you know already that thing. So that's a different kind of preparation. And I don't want to exclude psychology of uh, human part from sport and from business as well. That, of course, uh, you have to, to create uh, an image that uh, you are a fair player, whether it's chess or business as well. I think it's very important. Uh, maybe one of the most important thing, actually. Yes. And something I'm sure our listeners are very intrigued to know as well is do you know, and obviously the number's probably too difficult to, to, to count, but do you know how many tournaments and kind of grandmaster, you know, how many tournaments you've won overall? Well, that's a good question. Actually, I haven't won. I became number one in the world when I was 12, and then I went on for 26 years. 
because in rating points, I was the highest. And I was in top 10 in the world with including everybody, male and female, for quite a few years. Uh, I won a number of tournaments, but as I played on the very high level, many times I was second. And uh, I don't know the number of the first prizes. <laughs> and lastly, in the age of technology and um, how advanced it's become, is there an advantage of being a human or is technology too ahead of us? Because it's something you kind of touch upon in your speech about how fast obviously everything is going. But is, is technology too ahead of us at this point? Well, I think technology in sport, in chess, it was a very sensitive thing for me because in one hand, I was very curious and it's so interesting when I was a kid of 12 years old, I remember there was a chess computer company who we worked together. I was beating the computer nonstop. Later on, when there were no chess computers, but engines developed, that was a whole different kind of story. The engine, many times, it was not so good, so it tricked us. Because even though it could give a good move suggestion, good idea, but the evaluation was very bad. So that was kind of, we did not have the trust with the engines. But by now it uh, goes in chess, but I think in many other fields also, we can trust them. Which is of course, it means that we can hurt. We can be hurt later on on that, but it's, I think it's not a matter of choice. It's, it's part of our life. So it's very clear that uh, all of us, I guess, start uh, trying to keep the balance. How to use technology that it serves us helping in everyday life, in our work, in our uh, holiday, whatever. But it's extremely difficult to manage, I believe, the good balance. That how much to use the technology in order to have a better quality of life. Because, of course, it would be much nicer that as I can do my things 100 times faster than without technology, it should be that I do it faster so the rest of the time I spend on vacation or I go to the nature or I spend on myself. But instead of that, unfortunately, many of us says, okay, I could do 100 times more on this amount of time, so I make another 1,000 things in the remaining time. So I think uh, technology is a great opportunity, but a, a very big trap also for the next generation and for ourselves. So we have to be extremely smart how to use it and how much we give space in our environment. This is very, very true. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions about today's episode, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We're at New Model Advisor. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.